Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast, episode 50, halfway to 100. Man, we have come a long way since January 2019. The inauguration of the podcast, we are now halfway to a century. Definitely want to thank everybody who has clicked play over the years, over the months, over the all the different episodes and content that we put out there. Much appreciated. It does not go unnoticed. I appreciate the love. I do, however, need you to continue to tell your friends, your family, subscribe, review. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, everywhere. Wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, we are there. Tell your friends about it. Leave reviews. Leave comments at me on social media. It's at Pete4C. Find me anywhere on there. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, we're not on Facebook. I don't know who goes there for for uh, sending messages to people much anymore. But let me know, at Pete4C, what do you want to hear? What questions do you have? We will answer it right here on the show, and you will get your shout-out. We do have some uh, people to reply to on this episode who sent me some messages in regards to football, in regards to baseball. We are jam-packed with content as we sit here on December 7th, 2020, the final month of... One of the strangest years for each and every one of us. We're going to kick it off with none other than Drew Locke and just the, I'm not going to call it disaster, but major disappointment that he's turning into be not only as a player, but just how he's conducting himself. He does not look like a pro. There's nothing right now that tells me this is a pro football player. This is a starting quarterback in the NFL. He reminds me of a guy who did do it for a long time, but for a lot of reasons, probably shouldn't have gotten all the money. And the few chances that he did because of how he behaved. So we're going to talk about Drew Locke. We'll talk about Eric Bieniemy and how he's just going to have a plethora of options. But is there really a great fit out there for him? Right now, I don't know if I see it for Bieniemy. Probably the best candidate out there. But will there be the right match? In addition, we'll talk more about just the different quarterbacks that are going to be on the market. Whether it's free agency. Whether it's via trade. There's names like Matt Ryan. Matthew Stafford, Cam Newton, Jimmy G possibly, and of course, Sam Darnold with the Jets. He could be available. We'll talk about the different opportunities and which teams should pounce on them. We won't forget about baseball. Kyle Schwarber, he's a free agent. This has been a name that was 
in lore for several years. After 2016, a hero here in the town of Chicago. He's now a free agent. Where's he going to go? Baseball, football, we got plenty of it. Thanks so much. Episode 50 of the podcast. Coming at you here on Monday, it is about 5.30 in the evening, and we're already into the second quarter of our first of two Monday night football games. I love that we're just getting more football across more days than we have in any other year. I know, obviously, it conflicts with a lot of people's day jobs and what they're doing, and you don't always get to catch your team, but honestly, you know, Sundays are so jam-packed, I try to pay attention to two games. I'm not really a big red zone guy. Uh, One, I don't play fantasy, but it's just not always, you know, entertaining for me just to watch red zone when a team is about to score. I know that's how a lot of people consume football. What I like to do is have two games going on, watch it in its entirety. But what that means is that I do miss out on a lot of other games. But in this situation, due to COVID-19 and having to reschedule the contact tracing, all of that, I get the Steelers. I get the Washington football team. I get to watch this game. Washington, they're a tough team. They're not due to win this game against Pittsburgh, who feels like a really weird 11-0. They don't seem like a team of, uh, you know, all-time greatness, but they're 11-0. You got to take that seriously. Washington could give them fits, but it's now 14 to nothing as uh, as Washington, James Washington, Oklahoma State product. He's come out, and uh, he just scored a big-time touchdown, and Alex Smith now leading the charge for Pittsburgh. But... You know, I, I want to talk about Drew Locke, the guy again after another performance against the Chiefs. After his team got crushed at his stadium, his team got crushed earlier in the year at his own stadium in Denver. This guy has the audacity to cup his ear, you know, the, hey, can you hear me, Arrowhead? He's cupping his ear with his hand after his team takes a early third quarter lead maybe it's late in the second half I couldn't recall but it it brought me out of the Twitter woodworks I had to say something because this is just unbelievable as I'm going to get the picture of him cupping the ear which is just dumb in and of itself not only did your team get crushed earlier in the year the team has 15,000 freaking people in the stands so yeah it's gonna be difficult to hear when the crowd is at I don't know you know 20% 20% capacity, you're not going to hear that much noise. And then three, this team just won the fucking Super Bowl, and you're over here trying to talk trash after you take an early second quarter lead? Your team ended up fucking losing, all right? And not even to mention that, as I'm going to post this tweet, the guy gives me more content when he has his gator on, I guess they call him, except it's not over his fucking nose or mouth. It's down below. He's got the chin strap going. Why is that important? I don't know. Drew Locke just cost his team a chance to win a game because he wasn't wearing a mask during a meeting. All the quarterbacks had COVID or all the quarterbacks couldn't play because of COVID tracing and they had to start an undrafted free agent the week before the Chiefs games against the Saints. All right? He's just proven to be a fucking idiot. Not only that, he does the lame dance at the Chargers. And, you know, I was giving him a pass at first. I was like, you know, I don't like that. You know, you did just win the game, but, you know, you're not, you're clearly not the best quarterback in your division. You may be the worst, in fact. Yeah, you got Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, probably number two, just on talent. Derek Carr, a little bit more accomplished, but you're not even the best in your division. 
okay? Let alone the conference. You're over here trying to talk trash and act cool. That's the thing about acting cool in the NFL. It, it never works. If you try to act cool, no one actually thinks you're, you know, a badass. When badasses happen, they do it without even trying. Drew Locke, you know, let, I mean, let's just pull up the stats here. What, what's he throwing for completion percentage-wise with this offense? 63 rate, pretty pedestrian. Touchdowns-wise, I think he's got um, two in the game yesterday. He's got nine touchdowns on the year. Nine touchdowns on the year. I am fully out on Drew Locke. Was never really fully in with him. Denver, second-round pick. I don't understand how you can just try and try and really be this bad at evaluating the position. I understand the percentages are low, but the fact that this guy was almost lauded as like a, a John Elway clone because he's got like the cockiness that, you know, kind of works. No, this is cockiness that is just stupid. He's the worst quarterback in the division talking trash to a empty stadium in the second quarter, and he costs his team the fucking game because he doesn't wear a mask in the meeting room. Fully out on Drew Locke. Jay Cutler. I know that's cool for, you know, the, some of the fans out there. Nothing cooler than not giving a shit. Well, that gets you to be 500. Jay Cutler made a lot of money in this league. So, yeah, you can say, you know, it was worth it on that end. But you want to talk about winning games, being a contender. Drew Locke, I'm fully out on him. Never was fully in. Definitely have jump shipped. Denver, time to reboot. I want to keep it on the field where we are going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and their offensive coordinator, Eric B. Enemy. One of the hottest candidates out there. He's interviewed several times. I know a lot of people have said, how in the heck did this guy not get a job? From the sounds of it and everything that I'm paying attention to, it was as much as him being smart and identifying that there's not a fit out there for him. That's the thing you got to remember. And I understand there's a huge push, and there should be, to get more minorities as head coaches, Eric Enemy, a black man. It's not always about just getting the opportunity. I think he is smart in that he is looking for the match. He's been smart. He's declined some of them because he's been honest. He's had a plan in these interviews from everything that I take it from, you know, Andy Reid, who's spoken about him, those that have worked with Enemy in the Kansas City and Philadelphia tree. It's a situation where he is definitely considering all things, and he's being very transparent about his plans. He's not just going about the interview to get the job. He understands, I'm a commodity. I'm going to make sure I go to the right situation. It looks like there's a good chance his time in Kansas City will end, but it begs the question, is the best match out there for him? I've done a little bit of digging. We're going to go by it team by team here, but first and foremost, the things that he brings to the table. Me having worked for the Chiefs, I was on the business side of things. He's obviously the football coach. There is a big line of demarcation as far as football operations and business, you know, crossing paths. It's very minimal. You see it through the cafeteria over there at the Kansas City Chiefs facilities. Eric B. Enemy was always one of the few on the football side who was always, 100% of the time, saying hello, hey, how are you? How's everything going? A quick, you know, meet and greet, wave, whatever. Sometimes just a few seconds. But every single time you saw him, he's always trying to bring a smile to people's faces. Even if he has nothing to do with you on the business side of things. Someone like me. He was always welcoming. What's going on, fellas? That was always his thing. What's going on, fellas? Even in his press conferences, you can see it. He's alert. 
he looks everyone dead in the eye and he has a clear message uh, not always, you know, on the entertaining side of things, because he, he definitely can, you know, keep it close to the vest here when we're talking about information. But very, very good. Looks like a guy that could lead the room. In addition, he's old school, no nonsense. You remember when Travis Kelsey pushed him? Man, he he, he could get a, a little fiery there, and that was fun to see. And not to mention, he's offensive-minded, which in this day and age, it doesn't have to be that way. But if you're offensive-minded, you don't have to worry about, you know, the, uh, the coordinator that may be calling the plays about them leaving for a job because the is going to call the plays or he's offensive minded. So if he has to, it won't be an issue if he has to relinquish uh, the play calling. And of course, he's coming from Andy Reid. Won a Super Bowl. Plenty of other coaches have gone on to have success. Sean McDermott, Doug Peterson, uh, Matt Nagy, not so much. Um, but yeah, Reid knows how to coach him up. So let's look at the opportunities here. Let's start with the ones that have absolutely no shot of happening. Chicago Bears. I mentioned Mac Nagy, um, Denver Broncos. Uh, that's going to be Vic Fangio, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Doug Marone. These are all horrible situations. The quarterback in Jacksonville, you have no idea. The general manager, you have no idea. Shad Khan has no vision. Denver, you got to work for John Elway. He'll always be the one who is not to be blamed by the Bolin family. The ownership Situation going on there, not a good job for the enemy. And then the Chicago Bears. Ryan Pace continue. I mean, he'll probably get fired along with Nagy, but it's a situation of you don't have a quarterback, you don't know who the GM is, and the Hollis family, while they're not bad ownership, they don't really provide much input, so you don't know exactly how they're viewing things. Not good situations for the enemy. Let's go to the next batch here. Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert is going to be out there, and you can compete within the division. Now, you know the Kansas City Chiefs better than anyone. If there's someone that you want to lead the Chargers organization, it might be someone from within that knows how to beat the powerhouse that is the Kansas City football team. However, Dean Spanos, cheap owner, general manager's Tom Telesco. He's had a good history of picking players in the draft. I don't know how good he is at building a team, however. I think he might be somewhat underrated, but he's certainly not in the upper echelon. The next one. New York Jets. General Manager Joe Douglas. Jury's still out of him. You're going to have Trevor Lawrence, it looks like. But the ownership, Woody Johnson's going to be coming back from overseas, and he'll probably be more hands-on in the operation. Do you take the chance that you're going to have the generational quarterback and that it will just all work out? I don't know if you do necessarily. I like Trevor Lawrence, but I'm not here to anoint anyone the next Elway or the next Luck. I mean, look at Luck. For all the talk, we, we talk uh, about him being the best prospect since Luck. Luck's career was ended short. Why? Because he didn't have a team around him. He wasn't the saving grace. You saw what Ryan Grigson did. They didn't build an offensive line around him. He got hurt, and that was it. Even when he was playing, it's not like they were perennial division winners or that they had a stranglehold on the division. You can tell me all you want that Trevor Lawrence is going to be generational, but can you build a team around him? Joe Douglas, jury's still out. Is Woody Johnson going to uh, be meddling too much? I don't know if it's the best job. Detroit, this is an underrated one. I like the Lions and that Stafford. I think there's still untapped potential there. There just really hasn't been a situation where he has been put in a good spot to succeed. The coach has ever said, Matthew, save us, and AKA, that's the offense. They haven't had running backs. The defense has been porous. I think with the Ford family, that could potentially be a fit out there. But who's going to be the general manager? That's one question, but it is a better option. The second one, 
that I think is a pretty good option is Houston. Obviously, you got Cal McNair. He's somewhat of a new owner. Appears to be firing people left and right. If he gives him a contract extension, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I say I want a six-year contract. Six-year contract, and then whoever comes in as the general manager, they get another one. They get a six-year deal, and you go the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch route. That's what they demanded. Jed York, the patience paid off. It took a couple years. Then they went to the Super Bowl. I really like Houston. I like Detroit. The one that might be under the radar that not many people are mentioning about, Atlanta Falcons. So Matt Ryan, you do have to decide. Is Matt Ryan, does he have something left in the tank? I argue that he does. He's still passing for a lot. They still have weapons. He's an offensive-minded head coach. I could see him kind of elevating that while also looking towards the future because Matt Ryan has declined a little bit. I don't think it's been steep. But the ownership, Arthur Blank, he's been a good one. It's about the general manager, however, who's going to be picking the players. I like Atlanta. I like Detroit. I like Houston. All good spots for enemy. I think he lands on one of those when it's all said and done. Okay, let's kick it over to the other quarterbacks that will be likely to switch teams in the offseason, whether it's trade, whether it's free agency. There's going to be a lot of shuffling around from... I don't think it's going to be from the finances of the NFL, but there is a lot of talk, and there are some that are going to happen that we probably don't even know about, but a lot of names that are out there on the shopping block um, besides who I think should happen, and that's Drew Locke. It's so funny that... One last thing on Drew Locke, that he's just... He's always defended because he's young. People call him a kid. It's like when you enter the NFL, we're at the point now in 2020. You play Division I football. Every game's on TV. There's reporters packed in the locker room at every Division I program, like a Missouri where Drew Locke went. What is just this pass about every mistake that they make as, oh, they're kids or they'll learn. They're immature. Like, is there not a standard of you need to meet it when you walk through the door that it's the price of admission? The guy doesn't know to wear a mask in 2020. Like, my God. But let's move on. Matthew Stafford. I talked about him just now with Eric Bieniemy. I think it could be a match. However, if I'm him, I might be at the point where it's just like, I'm done, man. I'm not going through another head coach. You've done this to me for 10 years. It, it doesn't sound like his style. But it wouldn't shock me if deep down he's just like, I can't take it anymore. And he says, Martha Ford or Martha Ford Hemp, I guess her name is now, just trade me. I'm done. I'm not signing an extension. Trade me. I'm not showing up. This is just, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to go through all this losing when I'm throwing more passes than anybody, throwing for more yards on offense, uh, throwing a bunch of touchdowns, and we're, we, we just don't have a team. Like, I mean, we're irrelevant. It's probably better for you if you don't have me. You can reboot and find something new because nothing's working right now. And I want to win some games. I think the Patriots should take a hard look at this because Matthew Stafford with Josh McDaniels, all the cap space that they have to take on the contract and get some more wide receivers where there should be a healthy batch available, they could reboot it real quick. Matt Ryan's another option for the Patriots. I also like him as a possibility for the Bears. Then again, it's going to depend on the head coaching situation. Cam Newton, he's going to be a free agent. Broncos, you got it wrong here in 2020. Go ahead, pivot to Cam Newton here again this offseason. He's probably going to be available. Patriots, I don't see him extending them. Cam Newton, cold weather, tough, power thrower, runner. 
Offensive line is improving. You do have some playmakers. He'll be a better passer because of that. Broncos, Cam Newton, I see that as a fit. Jimmy Garoppolo, could he just come back to New England? I mean, if San Francisco's serious, I'm not totally sold that they are because he is a cheap cap-friendly number as far as uh, this contract that he's making for the 49ers. But if you're Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, you might just be saying, I'm sick of you being injured. I give you all this money, but you got to be able to be available and play. Now, last year he was, and we saw what happened, so that's why I'm kind of holding out and saying that I think he's going to be on the team. But if you don't pick it up here, I mean, they might have to go to like a Darnold, which we take it to uh, Sam Darnold. He's going to have plenty of suitors, Pittsburgh Steelers. He can sit behind Big Ben. They always have great pass catchers. Uh, 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 New England, not so much. I think, you know, they want maybe more of a uh, dynamic player at this point in time. Um, I mean, I'm not taking it off the table, but I think San Francisco is an option. Uh, New York Giants, you could get this right. You pass on them for Saquon. Now you can pair them with Saquon coming back in 2019. I don't think Daniel Jones is someone that you want to continue to give chance after chance to, uh, but they're the Giants and they seem to uh, to do things uh, the other way as opposed to other NFL franchises. And then Josh Rosen. He's kind of just the forgotten man. I liked Josh Rosen coming out of the um, coming out of the draft. And all of a sudden he's just kind of in you know sailed into abyss. It's just like is this guy even an NFL player anymore? He's on the Tampa Bay Bucks. I don't know if he's really going to learn not playing at this point. He's kind of just been in situations where it's impossible to succeed. I think he needs to get some reps. I think the Giants should take a look at him. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers should take a look at him. I think anybody who's got a quarterback, like even the Vikings, where you got Kirk Cousins, but you want to see who may be able to elevate the game based off getting your hands on him, having your coaches elevate his game, you should be taking a look at Josh Rosen. I still like his game. Those are the quarterbacks that are coming up here in free agency. What do you think? Hit the text line, 816-226-7483. Again, that's 816-226-7483. Which quarterbacks in free agency and trade do you think are going to be on the move? So there has been some unclarity on in clarity yeah it's unclear uh national league are they going to have the designated hitter they had it for 2020 is it going to happen here in 2021 it's got to be collectively bargained for but i think it's just important to understand that we know there is clarity right now there is no dh there's a possibility that could change but national league teams need to operate right now as if you are going to have to bat your pitcher and of course carter dean one of my biggest adversaries on twitter he wants the designated hitter in the National League game. And I, of course, just, I mean, I, preference-wise, I couldn't disagree more. I love the double switches. I love the pinch hitting. I love the bunting. I was at a game at Wrigley here, Cardinals-Cubs. It was a beautiful National League game. Highly contested. I think it was like an 8-6 to six game. You saw it all. A bunt in the third inning. A uh, defensive double switch in like the sixth. Uh, a pinch hitter in the eighth, and it all led to just a phenomenal game. I believe the Chicago Cubs won it. It was probably like three years ago in 2017. All that is cut out if you put in the designated hitter. It's just, it's probably, I'm not going to say it's a weaker brand of game. It's just different. I like the American League game. I just want to have both. 
I think it's a great twist because in sports, usually everything is uniform. So I understand why people are calling for it, but I think it's a neat little wrinkle. You get a little tinker in the national league game. And then the American league game, it's the same, but different. It's the same, but different. I've always thought that's cool. And people say how it's a disadvantage for the American league team in the world series. I don't agree with that. I just don't, you know what the rules are going in. If you make it to the world series and you play in the national league park, your pitcher's got to hit. So plan for it. Maybe when it was instituted back in 1973, it was a disadvantage, but we're far past that now. It's not a disadvantage. Plan for it. A little extra thing you got to do if you're in the American League. But on this program, however, I have mentioned for the health of the game, and I still stand by it, even though it's not what I want, probably should add the National League uh, designated hitter. You probably should do it. I, I, I don't want it. I don't want it, but when you're talking about just having guys who can only hit for power, who can't run, and they can only hit lefties or they can only hit righties, uh, there, there's a lot of name brand players out there who could extend their careers by having the DH, um, but you know half the teams right now, currently, it's not an option for them. It's just not. A Matt Holiday, could he have played a little bit longer if the designated hitter was available to him. I say probably one or two years, maybe not more. He did come back late in a cameo for a playoff push for the Rockies. They later faced the Cardinals, I think, uh, right before the playoffs. That's the situation. Matt Holiday, I think, could have played a little bit longer had the designated hitter been available, but he ran into a situation. Most of the teams just had DH figured out in the American League, so they said, sorry, I don't have a spot for you. So that's one of it. Number two you can obviously rest position players. And we hear that all the time, but I think you got to understand it's a big thing when you do not have to play the field. J.D. Martinez, he didn't do it this year because of uh, COVID and they're trying to limit contact. But his whole thing is going in and watching video in between at-bats. He's an absolute masher because he studies the game and he has the opportunity to do so while other players, they got to play the rest of the game. So not only is it a rest component, it's a, you know, it's an analyzing, it's a researching, it's a study component that teams will have. But the one underrated aspect that I think will benefit clubs is their managers. It's less managing. You have less to think about. That's the whole thing that I said about Mike Matheny. And I will double down right here. Mike Matheny is going to win games as the manager of the Royals. He has less to think about. Everything he was bad at with the Cardinals. Everything he was bad with, bad about, it was taken off his plate. I said the whole time, he's Ned Yost right now as the St. Louis Cardinals manager. And then what do they do? They fire Ned Yost and they hire him. I'm telling you, he's going to win games. He has less to think about. He doesn't have to think about double switches, pinch hitting, bunting. He knows how to construct a lineup as far as the order and the sequence of the players and where they should hit in the lineup. You give them stronger uh, starting pitchers. He'll make some noise there in the central. It takes some time. Probably not there yet. It'll take some time, but I think he's going to win games. And then when you put that in the National League, when you put that in the National League and they have the designated hitter, I think it's going to make uh, it's going to make more managers qualify for the position because that's just a huge variable or two that they don't have to think about anymore. And you know, I, I think it's good for the game. I don't like it personally, but yeah, uh, Carter, I put the National League uh, as a designated hitter league. Wouldn't like it, but yeah, probably best for baseball. I do want to end the program talking about Kyle Schwarber and 
his departure from Chicago, one of the key cogs in the 2016 World Championship Chicago Cubs team, World Series hero, Babe Ruthian-like, batted like 400, it's like four bombs. He came back after missing the entire season. I remember him shredding his knee in the game in Anaheim. I was watching it in my apartment in Columbia, Missouri. I was a senior in college at the time, and I was like, oh, no. This guy who just burst onto the scene in 2015, he's now out for the year, tore his knee, and then he comes back. It's shortly before the World Series that it was uncovered that he's training down in Arizona, watching the games on the team iPad, the National uh, National League Championship Series against the Dodgers. He's watching the team clinch the pennant, and he's taking uh, reps. He's taking at-bats in a simulated game, and... He's feeling healthy. He's feeling good. The Cubs coaches are like, man, he looks pretty strong. Like, he, he might be able to do this. They notify Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, boom, activate it. And because the game is in Cleveland, we just talked about the designated hitter, at the time, you play under American League rules. Um, and it still is the case. But at the time, they had home field advantage because they won the All-Star game. The American League did earlier in the summer in 2016. So... Kyle Schwarber gets to bat in game one and just starts murdering baseballs. He did in game two. Then they go to Chicago, three, four, and five. He can't play. So when they return to Cleveland, they have the benefit of putting him back in the lineup, and he's still hitting. It's unreal. But now here we are in December 2020, and he's not he's not part of the plans. He's going to make $8 million. That's too much considering the 2020 pandemic. Chicago Cubs owner Tom Ricketts says he's lost too much money. Probably bullshit. Um, but yeah, they're not going to pay him. And now he's a free agent. He's long been coveted because he's got that power from the left side of the plate. Short, left-handed swing. You don't see that often. But he doesn't have a position necessarily. Tried him in left field. He caught a little bit in, uh, in college. Tried that in the major leagues. Didn't really work out. He First base probably has to add that to his arsenal, but probably some untapped potential there. He was probably a guy that we thought might hit for a little bit more average, but hasn't done it quite yet. I still think he can get there, and I think the best team to go to right now would be the Washington Nationals if you want to win games. The Nationals are in win-now mode. I don't see them being a place where they really elevate guys. I think it's a place where... They're great at putting together a team, putting together a roster. Mike Rizzo, the general manager there. But if he wants to win some more games, that would be the place to go. If you want to learn how to hit, Tampa Bay Rays might be a place to go. But $8 million is what you just turned down. Are you looking to get that salary? Because if you are, they're not going to pay it. I think the San Francisco Giants might be a place that he could look into if he wants to rebuild his career, really anywhere, that has an outfield opening, Seattle Mariners, Baltimore Orioles, a team where if you're not looking for money, but you just want to look to get some playing time, get plenty of at-bats, rebuild your value so you are traded mid-season in 2021 before the deadline, that's something that Schwarber could do. He could go to the St. Louis Cardinals. Their outfielders have not been good. I don't think they're going to do it because St. Louis seems to just give every opportunity for every single player 600 at-bats, even if you suck. Uh, that's what they're doing over there at the Cardinals organization. So I don't think they're going to sign him, but he can still mash right-handers. He's got like an 840 OPS against them. 
people should be in on Kyle Schwarber. I like the Nats for next year. I like any team that has outfield depth that can trade him. So Orioles, Mariners, um, Rockies, ball could fly there. Someone could pick him up for a, uh, a playoff run, any contender in 2021. Kyle Schwarber, I think there's untapped potential. Really, everybody should take a look at this. $8 million, not quite right. I don't like that price. Get it in the 4 to $5 million range. Opportunity to play every day. Kyle Schwarber, he's going to end up in a good situation. I got a great feeling. All right, let's wrap it up. Appreciate everybody listening. It's episode 50 of the podcast. That's going to do it. Remember, five-star review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Video, wherever you get it. Let me know your questions, 816-226-7483. Text me, at me. It's at Pete4C, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. I will find it. I will respond. Thank you, Carter, for putting our National League designated hitter thoughts on there. I don't like it. Should it happen? Probably. Um, That's where I stand on that. Can't wait to hear from you when it's uh, Hall of Fame time and Barry Bonds. He has no place in there. 816-226-7483. Hit me with a text. Hit me with a voicemail. We'll play it right here on the show. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in.